Good morning. We hope you enjoyed that little video. Maybe you saw it earlier uh, a couple days ago. And uh, we're excited to be here again. So welcome. Greetings. Um, if you were wondering who that was, that was my evil twin, Darth. And uh, uh, he wanted to share a little message with you. Ah, I'm just joking. Uh, no, hey, back to um, a post that we posted on the church's Facebook page. Hey, send in posts and pictures. Uh, Jonathan mentioned it earlier also. Send in posts and pictures of how you're doing church this morning. We want to see what you guys are up to. Um, and so you can uh, post those up on Facebook. We'd, in, uh, we'd enjoy them. And uh, we're glad that you joined us this morning. Uh, we have finished our series on the book of Acts. Uh, last week, uh, we looked at the reason that the Apostle Paul and all the apostles endured the hardships, the trials, the tribulations. Uh, they endured them for the message of the kingdom of God. That was Jesus' message. That was the Apostles' message. That's still our message, is that God has, has established His kingdom to rule and reign in our lives. And what does that look like, and how does that, how does that play out uh, for the Christ follower? Um, you know, he established that kingdom, Jesus established that kingdom by coming to reveal himself as the Messiah and to fulfill all of the messianic prophecies. And that he, he did that in many ways, but some of the ways he did that is he healed the blind, he healed the sick, he healed the lame, and bonus, he raised Lazarus from the dead. Uh, but he established this kingdom for all those who would put their, their trust and their faith and their hope in him as Messiah. And all that that brings. And, and that is the reason why the apostles drew so much strength. They drew strength from the not just a, a fabricated up lie, and that wasn't it at all, but they drew strength from the reality, the truth, that Jesus is who he says he was. And that strength is where we want to now pivot in our series uh, with a new series called Stronger. What is it that makes us stronger as Christians? What is it that, that builds our faith? What are some of those blocks that are laid down in our Christian walk that build uh, strength into who we are as a Christ follower? That's where we're going. And that's where we're going to be for, I don't even know how many weeks. Um, but we're just kicking this off, this brand new series called Stronger. And so you can listen online. You can listen live like you are right now. Um, you can pick it up. Actually, we have a brand new thing. We just started our own podcast, so you can look it up on uh, iTunes um, if you want to listen to it in podcast form. But we're going to be studying through the scriptures. We're going to look all over, cover to cover, on what it means to be stronger in our faith and what are some of those blocks that, that help in that strength. Uh, many are struggling with our current situation. Uh, I struggle with it from time to time. I don't like what we're doing. Uh, I don't like what I see going on around me. Um, there's a lot of call for, for strength in the midst of a national crisis. And a ton of support, and there should be a ton of support for the first responders, for doctors, for nurses, people that are on the front lines of this virus. Uh, and as we pray for you, our church, and our church community, and our neighbors, we're praying specifically for this. We're praying that you are strengthened in your faith. Right? Strengthened in your faith. So I'm going to start out with a couple of questions as we get going, and maybe you want to write these down. Um, <clears throat> first question is, is what are the elements, that, that, uh, elements of becoming stronger? What are those elements that, of becoming stronger that are, become a reality in our life? And what's the recipe then to build our faith? 
What's the recipe to build, to become stronger in our faith? Is there a recipe? Is it a formula? Is it not a formula? What does it take to become stronger in our faith? And what does God use to beef up my faith and, and produce boldness? Perhaps is a better way to put it. All three questions are kind of the same thing. Uh, they were just some thoughts that were running through my head. Is how do we encourage you? And then how do you encourage one another? Encourage your neighbors, your friends, the people that you run into on a daily basis to become a, not just a stronger individual, but to be a stronger Christ follower. Right? We can all become stronger. Uh, we can all become stronger in some aspect of our faith. We need to be stronger parents and spouses. We need to be stronger leaders and followers. We need to be stronger teachers and students. We need to be stronger in ministry and in evangelism. And we need to be definitely stronger in prayer and in devotion. Uh, so we're going on this epic journey starting today. Starting today, we're going to go on this epic journey about what the Bible says about becoming stronger. Now, one of the most famous verses in the Bible is about strength. And it's found in Joshua 1.9. Joshua says, have I not commanded you? God says to Joshua, have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor dismayed. For, I, for the Lord, your God, is with you wherever you go. Is with, God's going to be with us. And he doesn't say to get stronger necessarily. He says to be strong be strong and of good courage. Uh, the first quality that we want to look at this week, uh, and it might be a strange starting point, it might be a strange starting point, but one of the qualities of being stronger actually is this idea and is the reality of unity. Uh, many would think, perhaps, why unity? Uh, are we supposed to be strong to be unified? Or is everyone... Uh, need to be stronger, and then once we're all stronger, wouldn't unity be more natural? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Did you get a look at the teaser video? I mean, we just showed it, so if you're watching it live, you just saw it. Uh, but uh, in that video, I had a lot of fun with that, and it was just an idea that came to me the other morning. Uh, if you haven't seen it, and you're only listening to the audio portion of this, um, you would have seen me working in my shop at home. And what I was doing is I was welding two pieces of metal together. Now, there's several steps to the welding process to have a successful outcome. Uh, one is you need clean material. You need two pieces of metal that are, that are clean. Then you take, as you saw in the video, and uh, we sped through some of this, but uh, you take both pieces and where you're going to join them together, you actually bevel off the edge. You create a, a beveled edge that's going to be united together. Then, of course, you weld them together. And you, in that welding process, and it, it was kind of hard to see it in the video, but you create a slight dome to your weld. Uh, of course, there's proper heat and, and penetration of the welding rod. Uh, and then, of course, you've got to let it cool. You've got to dunk it in some water or just let it sit for a while. Now, I'm not the most qualified person in this church to give welding lessons. In fact, we have a couple of guys specifically that serve in this body that are awesome welders. They've done it as a, as a career, fabricators, uh, maintenance guys, and they're way more qualified. In fact, I'll throw a little pitch in for those two guys. They would love to be able to teach people how to fabricate. Uh, if you have any questions about that, uh, contact me on the side, and I'll get you in contact with them. But my point is this, is that in order to maintain 
or succeed the original strength of the material, a few things are a must. A couple of things are a must. And that's what, uh, I'm going to put them in some different terms right now. Um, And I know it sounds like a little bit of an overlap, but each piece has got to be uh, reasonably free of debris. Uh, Trying to weld rusty metal doesn't work very well. Uh, Each piece needs to be willing to give a little. Each piece needs to endure the heat. And both pieces will be stronger because of the bonding agent, in the case of the video, the welding rod. And both pieces will continue to be joined by that bonding agent. Both pieces will serve a greater purpose because of the process. How, how in the world, what are you talking about, Mark? How in the world does that relate to us? Uh, this metal process that I've just described is essentially, it's essentially what's described for the Christians living in Philippi. So open your Bibles. I'll give you a couple minutes. We'll put it up on the screen. Open your Bibles to the book of Philippians, chapter 2. And we're going to read for a few verses right here in the beginning of Philippians chapter 2. Paul says to the Philippian church, he says, Therefore, if there's any consolation, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection of, and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. What Paul is encouraging the church in Philippi is he's encouraging them to be unified, to be of one mind. Look at at those statements, the statements of unity, being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. As a, as a group of believers. And when he talks to the church at Philippi, he's talking to hundreds, if not thousands of people meeting in smaller house churches throughout the city. But he's speaking to the whole group of them. And so we receive that as just one part of a greater body of Christ. That we need to be like-minded, that we need to have the same love, that we need to be in one accord and of one mind. Statements of unity. By contrast, and many of you know that I coach uh, high school football as well, but take the wrestling coach. He has to to coach all the kids, but he coaches each kid individually. It's about getting that one athlete. Wrestling is all about getting that one athlete to maximize their potential. Or take the basketball coach. He's got to deal with five guys at a time on the court, so it's a little bit more complex. You go from one to five. Then you go from five basketball players to 11 kids on the football field. They say that coaching football is, is really complex because it's hard enough to get a couple of kids to, do, to go in the same direction. But when you're trying to get 11 kids to play as one person, to move around the field as one unit, to be responsible for each of their pieces to for the benefit of the whole, it gets really, really, really complex. Leading a church is like coaching a football team times 15, right? We're not coaching you guys one at a time. Sometimes we have conversations or in groups or in a family setting. But when we step back and look at the 30,000 foot view, we're coaching, as it were, all of us at the same time. So 
part of my responsibility as an elder and part of the elder's responsibility over, to oversee this church is to coach all 150 of us going in the same direction. These are the statements of unity that we like to use and that we need to teach that make all of us a little stronger, right? So, unity must be a top-shelf priority. It must be a top-shelf priority for the believer. I'll say that one more time. Unity has to be a top-shelf priority for the Christ follower. Look at the statements of action that are in those same verses. First, we looked at the statements of units. Now, we'll look at the statements of action. Here's how it's accomplished. To esteem others. That's a statement of action. To let each of you look out for the interest of others. That's a statement of action. And now that our thoughts are not so much on metal, but on our relationships, I want to reread a list on how we obtain unity. So keep in mind the teaser video, but listen to the way that this plays out. Each person needs to be free of debris. That's forgiveness. That's coming to Christ, having our sins wash white as snow. We're free of that debris of life. Each person needs to be willing to give a little. Each person needs to be able to give a little, just like those two pieces of metal that I ground off the edges. For unity, each person's got to be able to give a little for the benefit of the whole. That's called humility. That's called humility. Each person needs to endure the heat. Let's face it, let's face it, church. As Americans, we're soft. We're soft as warm butter, right? We don't like the heat. We don't like the pressure. We don't like the trials and tribulations. But for unity's sake, each of us has to be able to endure the heat. That's called testing. That's called testing. Both people, both people will be stronger because of the bonding agent. The bonding agent in the metaphor is Jesus. It's Jesus that, that glues us together in the church. It's Jesus that brings us together in the church. Just like in our families, just like in our marriages, it's Jesus that glues us together. Both people will continue to be joined by the bonding agent, who is Jesus, right? We'll be joined together. We'll, be, <clears throat> we'll continue to be joined together by Jesus. You know that that's true. You know that when, when let's take your marriage for example. Take my marriage for example. We know that when there's not unity, the issue is really an issue with the Lord. And so it's Jesus that keeps us bonded together so that when a couple comes back together, they come back together really in humility and in forgiveness, realizing that somewhere in, in that whole process, they have both lost sight of the Lord. It's Jesus that keeps us together. He's that bonding agent. He's the welding rod in our lives. And of course, the last one is, is that both people will serve a greater purpose because of the process. And that's the kingdom of God. They'll serve a greater purpose. That greater purpose is the kingdom of God being magnified in our lives, being proclaimed in our communities, being, being put out there on full display, being the answer that people are looking for is who Jesus is. Amen? Sound familiar? In the same way these two pieces of metal are joined together, so are you and I as Christ followers. Now, the opposite can be true as well. If you flip the coin over, the opposite can be true. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, the church 
in Corinth, like every other church, and sometimes even like this church, well, we have a few issues. We have a few problems. Dissensions, disunity was a top-level priority for the Apostle Paul to address in the church in Corinth. And so he starts right out in chapter 1, verse 10, says, Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, by those of Chloe's household, that there are contentions among you. Now I say this, that each of you says, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Cephas, or I'm of Christ. Perhaps one of the most penetrating questions are the next three words that Paul says. Because he dives right into the middle of the disunity And he says this, is Christ divided? Is Christ divided? He goes on to say, was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I love it when people talk about themselves in the third person, right? Paul was a master at asking the rhetorical questions. Is Christ divided? Is Paul crucified? Those types of questions are an obvious no. Jesus is not divided. He's perfectly in unity. Perfectly in unity with the Father and the Holy Spirit and with the church. Paul was correcting a mindset that was me first and narcissistic in the church in Corinth. And let's be honest, those same temptations and tendencies are true today as well. His plea for the Christians in the Corinth was to refocus their hearts, their minds, and their attitudes. That they would speak the same thing. Look at these unifying statements. Again, he said that you would, they would all speak the same thing, that there would be no divisions among you, that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Kind of like two pieces of metal becoming one, right? To serve that greater purpose that cannot be accomplished apart. That's our call as well. That's what we're called to today, right now, even in the midst of this crazy pandemic and all that that entails. We're still called to unity because unity strengthens. Strength does not create unity. Unity creates strength in the body of Christ. And it does so to serve a greater purpose and that we can accomplish that greater purpose of the kingdom of God and that we can do it together. Both in the book of Philippians and in 1 Corinthians, they share one common phrase. It's the idea of having the same mind. Romans talks about the transformation of our mind as we become Christ followers, that it's an, an ongoing process that we, in, that we engage in, we don't control, but we come in submission to Christ to have our minds transformed and to gain the mind of Christ. So, as we close, a couple pieces of application. What can I do to follow God's plan for building unity? That's a great question. What's required of me to help produce unity, which will help produce people being strengthened, and, and for me to be strengthened? And in the process... And in the process, will I become stronger? Will I become stronger? 
I think so. So here's two things before we close in prayer. One, in John 17, verses 20 and 21, Jesus is praying for his disciples. And he's praying for all those who would follow And so listen to this. He says, I do not pray for these alone, talking about his disciples, but also for those who would believe in me through their word, that they may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. Jesus is praying that the church in the future, he's praying in real time, 2,020 years ago, that the church today, right now, you and I, you guys sitting on your couch or sitting at the kitchen table or hanging out in your pajamas and us here in the new fab studio at NLCC, that we would be unified. That's his purpose. That's his prayer. That's his heart, is that we would be unified in him for one reason, that the world may believe that you sent me that the world may believe that the Father sent the Son. So the very aspects of the kingdom that we talked about at the beginning of the message, all that Jesus came to say and to do and to teach and to proclaim, that the world would believe that those things are true because of our unity. It's a picture of strength. So one, first thing we can do, we can do like Jesus did. We can simply pray for unity. The the results is that the people around us will believe. If you ever wondered why people don't believe in Christ, why people are resistant, better check the unity barometer in your life and in our church. The second thing, love. The second thing is love. Paul encourages Christ-like attributes. In the book of Colossians, verses, chapter 3, verses 12 through 14, The Apostle Paul says, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another, if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection." Love is the bond of perfection. It's the agent. It's the Jesus that holds us together as a church. It's the Jesus that will hold your families together in difficult times. It's the Jesus that will hold your marriages together when you're stressed and struggling and the finances aren't right and the neighbor's got an issue and whatever the case is that the enemy's trying to come in and create dissension and disunity jesus is that bonding agent he's that bond of perfection because he is perfect love so the second one there's just two pray and love pray and love paul encourages this christ-like attributes that we all have to embrace that we all have to embrace with joy and uh and, and anticipation and the results are the bond of perfect unity our relationship with Christ, but also our relationship with other people is based upon Jesus himself because he's the one that makes us stronger. He's the one that creates unity and in unity as a church, as families, uh, as 
as communities of, of, of different faith and different churches, we can become stronger. We can become stronger through unity. That's what we're looking for. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word, Lord, that guides us, that builds us into the believers that you want us to be. We thank you, Lord, for bringing unity to us, that you would bring uh, uh, love, that you would bring patience and endurance and long-suffering, that you would build unity amongst your people that would last for centuries that would last actually into eternity as we worship and praise you in the future. God, won't you build unity into our hearts? Won't you take these principles that we've looked at today, take these ideas that we've looked at today, Lord, and begin to chisel in my heart and in our hearts and take away the pieces that are not necessary Take away the pieces, Lord, that are preventing unity in your church and in your body. And Lord, instead, replace them with yourself. Would replace them, Lord, with with your bonding agent, Jesus himself. We know that that's your desire. Lord, impart upon us, your people, to engage day by day, moment by moment, your process of building your church, of proclaiming your kingdom, Lord, that, uh, that, not, that we would receive that strength, but that it's not about us. That our strength then becomes a byproduct of what you're doing in our lives. We thank you. We praise you for today. We look forward to next week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Love you guys. We'll see you next week. I almost scrambling back here. Uh, why? What happened?